Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again. It's great to see you all this morning. On this final Sunday uh, of our Epiphany season, it's a joy to be with you and uh, and a real delight this morning. Let me pray for us as we look at this passage in our Gospel reading this morning. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, may we be renewed by a new vision of your glory this morning. Amen. Uh, This is the final Sunday of Epiphany, which I've now mentioned for the third time. It's a season where we focus on the glory of God. And today we see the glory of God in the transfiguration, the transformation on the mountain uh, with Jesus. Today where the glory of God is revealed in a very special way. And it reminded me a little bit of Psalm 19. I was reading that this week. In Psalm 19, the psalmist says that the heavens are telling of the glory of God. The word glory shows up a lot in scripture. And this one I was meditating on. uh, The heavens declare the glory of God. We've talked a lot about glory during this season of Epiphany. uh, Because this season is all about the glory of God being revealed. The glory of God is a shorthand way of referring to the reigning power of Yahweh as king. Yahweh, the name of God throughout the Hebrew Bible. The glory of God brought Israel out of Egypt. It was the glory of God that guided them in the wilderness, in a fire and in a cloud. It was the glory of God that shook Mount Sinai, that entered the temple, that eventually left the temple, and that would return the exiles back from Babylon. This was the glorious reign of The glory of God. And in the prophets we hear about the glory of God actually covering the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. As a way to anticipate the day of the Lord's reign in justice and loving kindness over his creation. So Psalm 19 in poetic praise says that the heavens, the heavens tell of the glory of God. So one of the ways that you and I uh, can discover and examine and investigate and adore God's glory is to actually look at his rule in creation itself. And we're in a particularly fun season in our household where our now four-year-old loves space. And so we were thinking a lot about space in the last couple weeks. He has a little audio story reader that tells him about different planets Um, and space exploration. And the other day I walked into his room and he was listening to a story and he looks up at me and says, Callisto is the second largest moon of Jupiter. That's exciting. (laughs) I had to look that up. And it is true. Uh, He is right. You're just terrified. And, um, And so, you know, did anybody here know that Callisto is the second largest moon of Jupiter? No, none of the... Okay, yeah, there you go. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I am not. Um, so I sure didn't. 
And, and so I love that he is finding delight in wondering at the universe, at the cosmos. Uh, and I even downloaded on my phone this really cool stargazing app so that we can look up at the night sky and just sit out and discover planets and stars and constellations. And I am excited to watch the joy on his face as he looks up at the night sky and he discovers new things. And Hebrew, the word for sky and the word for heavens are exactly the same word. And so we can picture the psalmist in Psalm 19 learning about the glory of God from observing the skies. And what a mystery that in this amazing universe, God has made us his image bearers on this pale blue dot of earth. What a mystery that all creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. This is what we read in the book of Romans. The glory of God is a good and a just uh, and a tender kingship. And this season draws us like children to wonder at God's glory. I hope my son's interest and wonder never wane uh, in, in when he wonders at space. And I hope that our wonder at the glory of God never comes to an end. The glory was manifest in this infant uh, Jesus in Bethlehem. It was revealed to the Magi. It was made manifest clearly in Jesus' baptism. The glory of God was made manifest in Jesus' kingdom authority to rule and reign. And as we talked about before, in, in clashing up against the kingdom of darkness as he cast out the demoniac in the synagogue, his kingdom authority has continued through you and through me as we make disciples of all nations. We talked about that last week as we looked at the Great Commission. And his glory is manifested in this pivotal scene this morning in today's gospel passage in the Gospel of Mark before the narrative is going to take a turn. Mark has been showing us up to this point that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that Israel has been waiting for. Most importantly, the Father declared it at the baptism of Jesus, saying, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. And then the book takes a turn to begin to explain how Jesus is going to become the Messiah. So the first part is that he is. The second part is that he will become the Messiah. And that turn happens around St. Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah, when Jesus tells them that he is going to have to suffer and die. That was a surprise to everybody. That was not anticipated of how the Messiah was going to become the Messiah. So the just and the good reign of God as king does not happen without the cross, because God's kingdom is so much more than any earthly kingdom for one people. Our heavenly king is also a tender shepherd. And as we enter this story with the disciples, the cross is still a mystery at this point for them. It's a mystery that they can't even begin to fathom because the kingdom of heaven is more than they could have imagined. And that makes the revealing of, of the glory of God and the Mount of Transfiguration a crucial point in the narrative as we move towards how Jesus is going to become the Messiah for us. Jesus takes the inner three disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him up on the mountain together. And while they're there by themselves, Jesus' clothes become dazzling light. And there's this otherworldly scene that we are let in on uh, that points us to a glimpse of the kingdom of God. 
The glory of God which the heavens declare is now being revealed very concretely to these three disciples. And it was that vision of that glory that they were going to need to hold on to because there was a paradox coming that was revealed in a mystery that they would have to live out. And so this deep paradox becomes central to the Gospel of St. Mark. In the beginning it had read... This is the beginning of the good news. This is the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we track that glory being revealed throughout the narrative. As Jesus is revealed as the Messiah, but ultimately how Jesus is going to be enthroned involves rejection and crucifixion. And the disciples needed to behold this glory for the paradox of Jesus being rejected and ultimately crucified. They needed this vision of glory. And it's this beautiful bookend to the baptism of Jesus, where God had declared, you are my son, uh, in whom I am well pleased. And so now we have this bookend uh, at the end, at a later part in Jesus's ministry, with this same echo, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Sometimes when we are confronted with something very weighty, a weighty situation. We can say things that we don't mean to say. Or maybe that's just me. I remember back when I was 19 and Ashley and I were first dating. We had gone on, I guess what looking back on was probably a date at the time. We didn't know what to call it because we hadn't had our first defining of the relationship yet. Uh, you know, as we bid each other farewell, I wasn't really quite sure what to do. Kissing her felt inappropriate at the time. Would hugging be too forward? I said something to her about how I had a really nice time, and I shook her hand. Like some common meetup with some acquaintance that I had just met. It was really awkward. I was really awkward. Because I felt these really big feelings for this girl. And I had all these butterflies in my stomach and a lump in my throat, and I just kind of froze, and I shook her hand. Fortunately, I got another chance. Uh, Peter's statement in this scenario feels kind of like this heart that is experiencing something too big for him to understand. It's a heart that's gushing with words of excitement. In St. Luke's account of the Transfiguration, after Peter's words, he adds that Peter didn't even realize what he was saying. He's just talking. And if he was trying to insinuate something about the Feast of Booths here, which commemorates God's saving acts, then it's a ridiculous suggestion. We should set up these tents for you. Um, he's, He's taken with this vision of the kingdom of God. He suggests that we make a tent for Moses, a tent for Elijah, and a tent for Jesus. It's really silly. But sometimes when we're in the midst of something really intense, we don't understand, and we're just excited. Our mouths are moving faster than our brains. But Peter's encouragement for me is that we might fumble our way through faithfulness, but God's glory is not going to be deterred by our failures. Peter fumbles through faithfulness, but God's glory is not going to be deterred by his failures. Or even when his mouth moves faster than his brain, thanks be to God. Uh, We are to grow, though, in this posture of listening. This is something that Peter is called to, to grow in a posture of listening. Maybe some of us wonder if we have become a hindrance to God's glory. 
the encouragement is that it's never too late to be faithful. It's never too late to be faithful. God manifests the glory of his kingdom in his way and in his time. It is not for us to press into our mold. And if we would listen, then we get to join him on the journey of discovering the revelation of his glory. In our mess-ups, in our mishaps, repentance and amendment of life, through God's grace, offer us this opportunity to see his glory at work. It's about God's grace and his revelation, not my ability to bring about his glory. So repentance and amendment of life are opportunities to see his grace manifest in my life. And, and part of that means that, is that we have to slow down enough to just pay attention. And we have to listen to where the kingdom of God is present and, and where he is speaking into our lives. If we have done things that we shouldn't have or if we haven't done things that we should have, we should be quick to confess it to the Lord, even to a brother or sister, even to me as your priest, even to make amends with another person if that's possible. It's better to listen to God and to fumble our way awkwardly through faithfulness with humility than to sit idly by in our pride and in worrying about our reputation and watch the glory of God pass by in our self-sufficiency and in our attempts to muscle our way through everything independently. It's better to have humility, to come to the Lord and fumble our way awkwardly through faithfulness. So the transfiguration is not necessarily a revelation of Jesus as God per se. Though Mark does believe in Jesus' divinity. It, it's as N.T. Wright says, a sign of Jesus being entirely caught up with, bathed in the love and power and the kingdom of God. So that it transforms his whole being with light. In the way that music transforms words that are sung. This is the sign that Jesus is not just indulging in fantasies, about God's kingdom, but that he is speaking and doing the truth. It's the sign that he is indeed the true prophet, the true Messiah. Jesus had told the disciples how he is going to become the Messiah. He's told them this over and over. He will tell them again. And it's a surprise uh, that is introduced into the gospel narrative that Jesus is going to reign through death and rejection. Death on a cross. Made victorious in his resurrection. This is a surprise to everybody. They don't fully understand it yet. The, the love and the glory that bathes the person of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration is the same glory that is going to fill the earth at Golgotha. So that creation even mourns in the darkness when its Lord is crucified. And even at the end of this gospel, the Roman guard is going to look up at Jesus, staring at the dead body of the Messiah and say, truly, this man was the son of God. And so the glory of God does not come to an end. The rejection of the Messiah and his crucifixion by the Romans could not stop the glory of God from being revealed. The kingdom isn't of this world, but it is present in the midst of this world. And we have put on Jesus' resurrection glory in, in the glory, the glory of that rule and reign when we have been baptized. As we believe and as we're baptized, we put on the, 
that glory that Jesus shone in, in his resurrection. And we see glimpses of God's kingdom now. When we see God's physical and his spiritual healing, when we see his transforming work of softening our hearts to the things that please him. When we see him turning our hearts away from those places that the kingdom of darkness has taken a hold on in our lives. We see glimpses of the kingdom now. And so, you know, the question for us in this passage is, will we take on a posture of listening to the voice of Jesus, to the glory of God? Will we take on a posture of listening to adore the glory of God? We live in a very fast-paced environment. And it can be really easy to run from event to event, uh, to, to function after function, to climb the ladder of career success, to jockey for political influence. We are busy distracting ourselves. We're distracting ourselves to death at times. So this week I want to encourage you to do something strange and different. This week, I want you to go find a forest. Go stand in it. And if you feel so inclined, take your shoes off. Just stand in that forest. Go set a timer for 10 minutes and just look up into the night sky in silence. Go sit by a stream and take time to notice how the seasons are changing. The heavens are telling us of the glory of God. Make some space this week. We are beginning the Lenten season. This is a season of repentance and renewal to see God's grace at work, to see where we even long for God's grace to be at work. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are built into our church calendar as traditional fasting days in our church. And so perhaps on your lunch break this week when you would normally go somewhere to eat, go be in nature for a little bit. And discern how the glory of God is coming to you and where you see his kingdom in your life. Or where you long to see his kingdom in your life. And what might be distracting us from it? What might be distracting us from his kingdom? Today's passage is an encouragement to adore the mystery of the gospel. Of the glory of God on the mountain before we take the journey to the cross. So may we always have this posture of listening that this passage encourages us to have. And even as we are fumbling our way through faithfulness together, my prayer for us is that we that we are fumbling forward together as a community. We need one another that we are fumbling together through faithfulness together in the direction of the kingdom of God. That as we are falling forward, we are falling in the direction of the kingdom as we learn what it's like to make our way through this world longing and looking for the glory of God together. And so may we be a community that lifts each other up. Um, A space where as you come together, as you gather, that we would adore the glory of God's kingdom in community. Let me pray for us. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, 
forever and ever. Amen. Amen.